Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's a great, it's a great privilege and, and uh, honor to be able to share with you this morning. And um, I just heard somebody say something in the week about <coughs> um, we're going to be thin with so many key people away. Now, in the context that we were talking about, I know all the eldership are away. But, you know, Father's here. And uh, the only key people this morning are those of us that are here. I believe that. You know, God, God has given me a word to share with you. And uh, it's not for those that are not here. It's for us this morning. So, listen, don't let's worry about being thin. <laughs> I don't worry about that. Uh, but <laughs> in number. But... Uh, I just want to share with us this morning. So, Holy Spirit, we just want you to to cause the things that need to be said to be said and the things that don't need to be said to be left. Come and move among us this morning in Jesus' name. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture. I'm talking about faith this morning. Um, now, I'm... Uh, I'm really trying to be a man of faith. And uh, to be, really to be successful in faith, you know, you have got to be someone that believes nothing is impossible. Did, did, did you hear that? Um, my son and I have a, have a little thing going between us and I say he's pessimistic. He says, I'm optimistic. He says he's a realist. I still say he's pessimistic. <laughs> now, there is a sense, there is a sense that if we are going to be men and women of faith, we have got to be those that believe nothing is impossible. And, and I'm that sort of person. If you say to me, it cannot be done, that is the biggest challenge in the world because there is nothing that cannot be done. Quite a few years ago, we had a little, we had a little 20-seater coach. And, uh, well, it was a Bedford. Those men among you, know. It was a Bedford. And it, it was a beautiful little thing. The only thing is every time it went over a matchstick, it nearly stopped because it was so powerless... And it was, it was a Bedford. And um, I said, something's got to be done about that. Talked to the manufacturers. I said, there's not another engine that will go in it. Uh, there's nothing that be, can be done. We got the turbo specialist to see if they could tickle that up a bit. They do the police cars. And no, they said, there's absolutely nothing we can do with this. And we had another vehicle that had a different make of engine in. And it went like a train. So we had an old fitter and I said to him, John, there's got to be something that we can do about this. We've got this lovely popular vehicle and it's useless because it hasn't got any power. And so quickly uh, passing on, we decided we were going to have a go at it, you know. We took the engine out, we cut bits out of the chassis, we welded bits back in the chassis. And uh, we put this other engine in which wasn't supposed to fit. 
I went down to the clutch people. We sorted out a heavy-duty clutch, and we rebuilt it, and it had this engine in, and it flew. And uh, <clears throat> we put it on the road, and uh, boy, it went like a train. So much so that all around the country... We were getting phone calls. I think we missed a trick here, but we were getting phone calls saying, your motor went past. We can't get ours to go more than, you you see. It can be done. And faith is like that, folks. It can be done. Uh, It's got to be able to be done because nothing is impossible with Father. Do you believe that? So you might wonder why I'm starting here. I'm going to start in James chapter 3. Having said that, I must tell you this, implicating my son. He said to me on Thursday, he said to me on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, he said, Dad, will you have a look at so-and-so and so-and-so? I I said, why is that? Well, he said, you're so good at making improvisations. What he was saying was, if anyone's going to be able to sort out something that can't be done, you're the best person to do it. Now, listen, we have got a God who, who spoke into being the world in which we live. We've got a father who, who said through his son, everything that my father's given to me, I've given to you. So what are we playing at? Anyway, James. James 3. And I'm going to read the first 12 verses. Uh, my, my brethren, says James, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, because teachers have to give a double account. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. See how great a forest of fire, a forest, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man contain the tongue it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison with it we bless our God and father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness or the similitude of God out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing my brethren these things ought not to be Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. Why why am I starting there? I'm sure you will agree that from what James says, 
the tongue is an incredibly powerful member that God has created. Life and death, we'll come to that in a moment, the Bible says are in the power of the tongue. Uh, So (coughs) the tongue no man can tame. But when we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ and we become born again, our tongue is surrendered to him for his purposes and for his glory. Now, blessings and cursings should not be coming out of the same mouth. So do you understand that when we are, when we are speaking, uh, <coughs> we can either speak blessings or curses? In the natural, some of you will remember some years ago, a lady who's in all the reality TV programs now, Member of Parliament, her name's Edwin Curry. Now, <coughs> Edwina Curry, <laughs> nearly right, Edwina Curry. And some years ago, she started using her tongue talking about chickens and eggs. Do you remember? Do you know? Within no time at all, there was not a chicken left alive in the country and there was no eggs available because she started spouting that every egg that you ate was affected by salmonella. Every chicken that you purchased had got salmonella. So they wiped them all out. People went out of business. People lost their jobs. Farmers lost their livelihood. All for what? Do you know what happens if you eat raw chicken today, not cooked properly? What will you get? Salmonella, absolutely guaranteed. Because she started talking about something that was not the real truth. And it was proved not to be. And that stupid statement, God bless her, that stupid statement did untold harm. Do you you see there's a natural illustration of Shouting your mouth off and speaking the wrong things can bring destruction. For us as the, as the people of God, we have got to guard the tongue. And the tongue is one of the most powerful things that God has given us to operate in faith. I know we're not there yet, but hopefully you'll agree with me at the end. But the tongue is one of the most powerful Um, members of the body that God has given us. And of course, you can understand why. If it is that powerful that the devil can use it for destruction, it is equally that powerful in the hands of God that he can use it for creation. We'll get there by the end. Does that make sense? That's not a theological... That makes sense. So you see, out of the same mouth can't come blessing and cursing and I'm just feeling that if we are speaking the wrong things um, that don't line up with the word of God and not other things that are on the heart of God our words can result having the effect of a curse instead of having the effect of a blessing. Now the power of the tongue to destroy you know just uh, 10 years ago I believe A mistake was made with the tongue. And a man who was shot dead through the head, it's it's Brazilian man, you know, a terrible, tragic thing. But a mistake was made with the tongue, suggesting he he was believed to be a terrorist, and the man lost his life because the wrong instruction was given. I'm not 
pointing blame. I'm, not, I'm just using it as an illustration. We had a, a, a lot of years ago, um, I mean, I must have been about 30, probably 32, and she was about 37, 38. We had a greengrocer that used to come round the house with a van. I mean, you're thinking horse and cart, aren't you? It wasn't that early, but he used to come round. And he said, um, oh, he said, one day he came, he said, there's a woman lives down the end of the road from you. And uh, he said, she desperately needs some help and desperately needs a job. He said, you're a churchman. And a businessman, so you really got the answer. I mean, he was being a bit cynical, but, um, <clears throat> but it was the truth. Because when we, we've got the answer when we've got Jesus, haven't we? So um, he said, I did tell her I'd talk to you, and I wonder if you could go and have a chat with them, perhaps find her a little job. Anyway, cut the story ever so short. Went to see her. She'd got five lovely kids. She'd got a husband that had gone off with his secretary and the thing was a mess. And not only has her husband gone off with his secretary, but he was absolutely destroying her life. You see, he was operating in the area of manipulation, domination and, and intimidation. Thank you. <laughs> uh, domination, intimidation and manipulation, which incidentally all come from witchcraft. But he was, we'll leave that, but that's where, that's where it has its basis, in witchcraft. And this man was operating in that area to such a degree he had so intimidated his wife, so made her feel she was not a worthy mother, so made her feel that she was not capable of running life, she ended up in a mental institution. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about the power of words. I thought, how dare him do that to a young woman with five children? I'm going to do something about this. And uh, to cut the story very short, we chatted it over and I went and saw her uh, when she came out of hospital. We thought, well, we'll offer her a little job. You know, that woman came, uh, came out of the darkness of, of, of where she was at. She began to work and because she lived down the bottom of the road, it was easy to get a lift with me every day. And uh, the kids started coming along to kids' clubs, gave their lives to Jesus came to youth camp, she's, uh, oh, she's older than me, she's probably 80 today, still serving Jesus, still sound of mind, still. but you see her destruction was because her husband was operating his tongue in seeking to destroy her. We have to beware as the people of God. We have to be very, very careful. We can destroy someone's character. We can destroy someone's self-worth. So That's what the devil has done. You've heard me say this before. That's why the, the devil isn't an idiot. We mustn't call the devil an idiot. That's stupidity to do that. The devil's a clever guy. And uh, he realized a long, long time ago that if you started abusing children early, 
their lives would be messed up forever and nobody would be able to do anything about it. And by and large, because we're only just waking up to the, to, to the damage that has been being done and trying to sort it, that is the case, isn't it? I've dealt with 40 and 50-year-old people that have been abused when... We didn't understand it all then, but they've been abused when they've been kids and their lives have never been normal because of the damage initially that has been done with the tongue. If we keep telling a child that they are useless, you will never be able to do it, you will never achieve what your brother or sister has seen, do you know what will happen? That's exactly what they will become. Because they'll begin to believe it. Do you understand that? Well, whether you do or not, it is a truth and it is a fact. It is a fact. If we put somebody down enough, we will put them down so that they don't get up again. That's what James is talking about. The power of the tongue is so powerful. Confidence. Have you ever met anyone that's had their confidence knocked out of them? You must have done. And, uh, and you know, they just don't have the confidence to almost get out of bed in the morning because p- what people have said, because of the power of the tongue. What about... Um, What about uh, the whole self-worth issue? It is so important to encourage and to build up and to boost. Uh, And somehow it lifts people from a place of lack of, oh, somebody has confidence in me. So as the people of God, we have got to guard the tongue. And we need to understand that when we speak wrong things from from the tongue... To put it in a phrase that we understand, it's going to come back and bite us. It's going to come back and bite us because it totally goes against what the Word of God says. I, some years ago, we had a lady who was, she must have probably been in her late 60s and she was suffering real bad. And in the midst of all this, we were seeing loads and loads of people amazingly healed from cancers, from all sorts of things. And uh, I said to a good friend of mine, some of you will know who it was, I said, uh, do you know, I don't understand this. He said, no, I don't. I said, so what should I do about it? He said, well, leave it with me, he said, and I will, uh, I will ask God. He didn't usually used to do that. He used to say, well, you know, you know who knows the answer, go and ask him for yourself. But... This time he did say, he says, I will ask God. And uh, he was with us for a series of meetings, a a well-traveled healing evangelist. And he came back, he said, I think God spoke to me about that person. I said, what did he say? He said, well, I knew the person, he didn't. That always makes it difficult when you're pastoring. (laughs) So he said, uh, well... He said, I felt God say to me that this person has throughout her life spoken so much death into other believers, talking about the negative stuff, the the, the putting down, the criticism, you know. He said, no, I believe God said to me that she had spoken so much negativity and so much death that that had affected in, in, in people's lives that 
now this thing has affected her bones. I said, uh, would you like to have a chat with her? He said, <laughs> he said no. That's... So I planned to talk to this lady. And uh, I, talk, I, I talked to this lady. And as I began, I mean, what, how do you go about that? Pastoral workers and team. <laughs> well, don't ask me. But I talked to this lady and I said, now, would you think... I knew, I knew it was true because I knew her. Would you think that, 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 that there's any time when your tongue has really run away? Oh, she said. Well, you know me. I thought, yeah. Um, I do. I said, because I've spoken to the healing evangelist and he says he felt this is what, and she burst into tears. She said, I have done that. Time and time and time again. Cut it short. It was a repentance thing. So I said, well, you've got to ask God to forgive you. You've got to get this sorted out and you've got to stop doing it. So I was able to lead her in, in a time before God, asking God to forgive her. And do you know, God amazingly touched her and she lived to nearly 90 before she went to be with Jesus. How how powerful. You see, when I say, I'm careful at, at saying about speaking curses because in many senses I'm not into that. But, you know, curses is about death. And the only things that need to be cursed are things that need to die. Jesus cursed the fig tree because, I don't quite understand why, but he, <laughs> but he was showing his disciples he cursed the fig tree because it didn't have fruit on it when it was wasn't supposed to but he cursed he cursed the fig tree and it died and that came as a revelation to me so next time I prayed for someone with cancer I prayed for them and I said in the name of Jesus I curse this cancer and expect it to die like the fig tree did that's the only that's the only thing curses are for for things that need to die Things that need to die. But this lady had in effect spoken curses that had affected her own body and her own life because of the, of the downputting of other people. I, I want us to be warned, folks. I want us to be uh, aware. You know, <coughs> Israel, we'll get to, well, well we'll be better, haven't we? Um, <laughs> Israel... When the spies were sent out to spy out Canaan, what happened? They came back, ten were bad, two were good. The, the grey-haired ones will remember that song that we used to sing in Sunday school. <laughs> Twelve men meant to spy out Canaan, ten were bad, two were good, you know? And uh, ten came back and said, you can't do that. There are giants in the land, we're asking for trouble. And Israel almost lost their inheritance of the promised land that God had given to them if they'd have, if they'd have gone with those ten. So democracy is not a Bible thing. So the two, the two, the two who were old men, I'm, I'm fighting for the old men, uh, two, they said, hey, 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 don't listen to them. 
don't listen to them. We are well able. Why? Because they knew who their God was. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. He's our God. And so the two said, we can do it. One of them was in his 80s. So come on, grey hairs, get cheered up. They're saying now, aren't they, that... uh, that the, the, the average, they're, they're trying to make us work longer because we're living longer. We're still not living as long as the Bible says. You know, people quote this nonsense, of, oh, our, our years are three score and ten. Do you know, there's been a curse on people for a long, long time, and we were brought up being taught that. Well, go read the Bible, and you'll find the only reason they were shortened to three score and four score was because of disobedience. 120 years is what we're supposed to live for. Anyway, moving on. So these two old men, Joshua and Caleb, who the Bible said had a different spirit. God is calling us to have a different spirit, people. A spirit of faith, a a spirit that will stand on the word of God and that will say, God says it and it's true. And Joshua and Caleb persuaded the people, we can do this. And they went and did it and they took Canaan. Goliath tried it, didn't he? Are there any Goliaths in your experience? Hmm? Thank God for them. That's not biblical. Oh, yes, it is. What was David when he faced Goliath? A shepherd boy. You come after me like a dog. I've eaten bigger than you for breakfast. That's the tone that Goliath spoke to David in. What he slayed the giant which was part of God's plan and purpose in promoting him from shepherd to king. I don't know if you're not with me or scared, but but that was what it was all about, you know? And it's slaying our giants is what it's all about. In the name of God, in the name of our king, we can do anything. That's a declaration of faith. Proverbs 18, verse 21, moving on to faith, says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The message says this, Words kill and words give life. They are either poison or fruit. It's not my a new idea, it's not a new teaching, it's what the Bible says. The power of life and death is in the tongue. So we want it to be life, don't we, that comes from our mouths. We want to be speaking life. And faith to operate has to be spoken. Oh, what scripture do you get that from? Well, you'll see by the time we finish today or next week maybe but uh, faith has to be spoken let me just give you some illustrations from the word of God Matthew 9 27 29 just if you're making notes Matthew 9 27 when Jesus departed from there two blind men followed him crying out saying son of David have mercy on us When he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and said to Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus came to them and said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? 
They said to him, yes, Lord, we believe you are able to do it. They used the tongue to confess that they believed Jesus. Do we believe Jesus? Oh, yeah, you feel you ought to say yes to that, don't you? Do we believe? He said to the blind men, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. Of course you're able to do this. What was that? Yes, Lord. It was a declaration of their faith in the fact that Jesus was a miracle worker. It then goes on to say in verse 29, lost me place. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, it's yours. You see, they declared their faith in Jesus to be the healer, and he said, done. They declared it. They had to declare their faith. Then again, in Matthew 9 and verse 21, what did the poor lady that had suffered from an issue of blood for many, many years? I want to tell you, this is not a problem. This lady... um, was desperate she was bleeding losing a lot of blood she'd been to every physician shall I tell you something we had a lady that had exactly the same problem was booked into the hospital on a Wednesday for a hysterectomy now that's how bad it was there was nothing they could do to stop the bleeding she was booked into the hospital for a hysterectomy we laid hands on and prayed for her on Sunday morning the power of God hit her And uh, we believed she was healed. She believed she was healed. But there's a dilemma, isn't there? A a serious dilemma. So because I'm in a pastoral role, I'm supposed to know all the answers. But she said to me, now Peter, what should I do about the hospital appointment Wednesday? I'm due in at nine o'clock for this operation. Uh, So I said, well, Joan, listen, that is not my decision. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves, remember, that's that's not my decision. That is your decision, and uh, we will support you, whatever you want. What a political. But it wasn't for me to say, cancel your hospital appointment. I said, Joan, you can't ask us to. Do you believe God's healed you? I said, yes. And I'm thinking, hey, you've declared it. Now you need to take one step further. Because she was in leadership, you see, that carries a bit of a heavier responsibility. Just ease it off a bit for you. So anyway, she rang me up Tuesday. She said, the bleeding's still the same. I said, okay, so what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to ring the hospital now and tell them I have no need of an operation. Why am I telling you this? She rang me back Wednesday morning. She said, do you know, I rang the hospital yesterday. I told them, cancel the operation, let somebody else have the bed. She said, I went to bed last night and the bleeding stopped. You see, she declared her faith and did something about it. Now, that, that 
depends on the level that, that we're at as far as God is concerned. Please don't think I'm saying, you know, if you believe you've been healed, chuck your, to- uh, your pills all down the toilet. No, I've never said that. Never said that. We, ha- we had a, a girl who had, at 28 years of age, who had colitis, serious colitis, and all the lining of her bowel was gone. And the doctor said, you, you are going to be on medication for the rest of your life and you will end up having, having your bowel uh, operated on, blah, blah, blah. 28, what a curse that is. Now, the doctor was doing his, his very best and he was trying to be reality, you know. That was the medical, that was the medical ter- uh, situation. <coughs> well, we prayed for her. We knew the power of God hit her, and uh, and I knew what a stroppy girl she was. You don't say that when you're looking after people because you love them. But she was stroppy; she really was stroppy. And I mean, she. So anyway, she said, uh, she said, I said, "Do you believe God's healed you?" Yes, she said. Don't tell me to stop taking my tablets. I said, oh, "You keep taking them, love. That's all right." Anyway. She rings, a neat, she rings up Monday morning and I answered the phone. Oh, she said, can you lose yourself for a few minutes? I want to come around and see Anita. I said, uh, well, I got, yeah. she said, well, I don't want you in the same room. I said, why is that? She said, I need to take my clothes off. No, I said, I don't want to be in the same room. <laughs> so she came round on the Monday. I went into another room, of course. And um, the outcome of the story was that... Uh, she literally took her top off. She said, look at this. Look at this horrendous rash all over my body. She said, uh, what, what, what's that? What do I do now? So Anita, she must have had some revelation. And she said, I think you should go. I'd have said the same. I think you should go and see the doctor. Quickly, she went to see the doctor. He said, stop taking them tablets immediately. <laughs> It's the tablets that's causing that horrendous rash. You must stop. She stopped taking the, t- the tablets when she was 28. She's about 65 now. She's never had a day's problem. She's never had a bowel problem. And she said to me uh, just a, a, a month or so ago, she said, you know, they send that thing around for you to have a sample. And she said, I thought, no, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Sent the sample of everything absolutely perfect. Uh, everything came out for the, uh, for the test of a 30-year-old. Listen, faith works. Faith works. And you don't have to worry about helping God, but we do have to express our confidence and our trust in him. Jesus, um, that woman, I didn't even get to her, did I? The woman in the same chapter, in chapter 9, who had this issue of blood. Oh, yeah, that's right, issue of blood. Uh, Jesus was in the town. What did she say? She said, if only I can touch his garment, I'll be healed. What was she doing? She was confessing her faith that if she could touch Jesus, a miracle would take place. Is that right? Am I dreaming it up? It's absolutely right. She pushed through the crowd, already exhausted, weak. She pushed through the crowd And she got to Jesus and she touched his garment and immediately she was made whole. We have to confess 
our faith for it to work. Jesus said, uh, who touched me? Disciples said, well, don't, don't be crazy, Lord. Look at this crowd. He said, somebody touched me and has been healed because I felt the power go out of me. People, I want to tell you, we had the faith that we were given to believe Jesus for our salvation is the same faith that performs miracles. And we have access. It's, it's, nothing, it's nothing special to an individual. It is a gift that God has given us. We were saved by grace through faith. When I ministered last time, you remember about who we were. I talked about that. And, uh, and I, I made a statement, and even the theologians haven't picked me up on it, so it couldn't have been too far out. I said, you know, that means that when we were moved to make a decision to give our lives to Jesus Christ, he gave us the faith to believe him for our salvation. I said that, didn't I? You remembered it. <laughs> but you see, that's what the Bible says. We were saved by grace through faith. Well, we didn't have faith before we were interested in Jesus. But that faith is the same faith and is operated by the same Holy Spirit that the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. If the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, will he not give life to your mortal body? What's that? Is that healing? Hello? Is that healing? Is that life to our mortal body? Time's gone. We'll have to carry on next week now, won't we? We need to speak faith. I, I will carry on next week. There's no need for me to rush and finish this. I hope I haven't bored you. But, but uh, listen, faith is a key. Do you know I had, an amazing, I had an amazing thought when I was praying this morning? Maybe nothing to do with faith, but certainly to do with declaration. Speaking out. What would you say, please speak to me, what would you say in the UK was the prayer that had been prayed most in the last hundred years? Our Father art in heaven? Oh, spoil it. You mess it up, don't you? Right. But most people would say our Father, the Lord's Prayer. But I was thinking, everybody is saying, what what an amazing monarch. She's been reigning longer than how many millions of people for the last, well, before that, but, but certainly since she came to the throne, have been praying out, God save our gracious queen, long live our noble queen, long may she reign over, hey, and we're all wondering why the queen but you see, that prayer has been being prayed by millions and millions, of, even unsaved people. And we have a monarch that has reigned longer than anybody else who has made a commitment to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and her nation. I'm going to stop there because I, there's no need to rush and finish and I won't get finished. So I will finish it next week. But while we're in the 
Have you, have you enjoyed the presence of God this morning? Hasn't it been wonderful? Now, Anita's got a word, and I'm just going to ask her to come and bring it because I don't want us to go home without God doing what he purposes to do this morning. She feels she got a, quite a specific word for somebody. She started to tell me, I said, you tell the people. <laughs> so uh, let's just hear this and, and respond to this. I don't know whether, I'll listen, I don't know whether you need to do it privately or... In the week, um, most unusually, I couldn't go to sleep. Um, and that is most unusual. And I started to pray, God, what do you want to do this weekend that's different from normal? Well, it was a bit dangerous to pray that, I suppose. But, um, and God said to me, in June 2005, there will be somebody in the meeting who will have had an experience that wasn't particularly pleasant and it has caused them to be distant from me. They can't enter into worship. They can't enter into... Well, they can, they can go through the motions of worship, but there's something there that's blocking them. And so I said, hmm. And God said to me, the way that they're going to get through this and to be released from it, is to worship God in a determined way and know that I am running towards them. And Joe this morning said, God is running, our Father is running towards us. And that really clicked with me this morning. And so I don't know whoever you are, but it was in June 2005. Now that's a long while ago for you to carry something that has inhibited you. And so I don't know how I'm going to hand back to Peter to, to, to deal with that. If you need to talk to somebody, then if you're a lady, come and talk to me. And if not, if you're a man, go and talk to Pete. But it's 2005, June 2005. I didn't get a specific date for it, but it's something that has caused you to be let's say deprived in a nice way from what God could do for you and so I'll, I'll leave you you can respond in your own way or you can respond and come and ask someone to pray for you thanks darling well I think that needs to be privately uh, we, nobody needs to be embarrassed that's not what God does but I just want to urge you if God is speaking to you please speak to one of us after the meeting because God wants to touch you and bring you out of that thanks Dave God bless you have a great week starts beginning to speak out in faith